Welcome to another edition of Dual Candle Radio with Lenora Sarver. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's show. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, so far, we still have uh, the weather and stuff going back and forth, but we're going to go ahead and get into some updates real fast. Um, one of the things that uh, really caught my attention was a CNN news article. Um, it says, leaked audio of heated meeting reveals hostages fury at Netanyahu. Um, this was published on December the 6th, 2023. It says, basically, the leaked audio recordings of a meeting between freed Israeli hostages and Prime Minister ben- Benjamin Netanyahu have revealed considerable anger at the government's conduct as well as enduring terror of captivity by Hamas in Gaza. Now, there's no doubt that it wasn't a terrifying event whatsoever because these people are really heartless. Um, this is the audio of the meeting between the former hostages, relatives of some still being held in Israel's war cabinet on Tuesday was leaked with parts of it published on Israeli news site Ynet. It comes amid building pressure on Netanyahu to secure the release of the remaining captives and scrutiny of Israel's intensifying military campaign in Gaza. Now, you really got to put yourself in Netanyahu's shoes. Like, you know, there's all sorts of things. I mean, we have intelligence, we have all that, but it's very difficult to move about. This is almost like a brutal chess game. Just trying to get through, make the right moves without, you know, the hostages possibly getting killed. Um, well, that's what I would encourage a lot of people to do is just put yourself in his shoes and, and figure out how he's got to calculate this very carefully. And if you have any doubts about what he's doing, you know, just keep him in prayer. This is a female abductee freed with her children, but without her husband, who remains in captivity still is heard on one recording saying the feeling we had there was that no one was doing anything for us. The fact is that I was in a hiding place that was shelled and we had to be smuggled out and we were wounded. That's besides the helicopter that shot at us on the way to Gaza. She adds, you have no information. You have no information. The fact that we were shelled, the fact that no one knew anything about where we were, you claim that there is intelligence, but the fact is that we are being shelled. My husband was separated from us three days before we returned to Israel and taken to the Hamas tunnels under Gaza. So there's more clarification that that's where they're being held. That's where the hostages are being held. Um, Aside from the article, I was praying earlier this week and I actually saw in prayer, in a vision, that there is a, you have the ground level, you have the first level of the tunnels, and then there's another level, just so you know. So not only do you have the first level of the tunnels, but then you have the rooms and stuff that are off the tunnels, Um, but I also see another one lower, so I don't know if you have discovered that or not, but that's what I found out in prayer. Um, And then it goes on to say in the article, Israel has launched intense air bombardments on Gaza since Hamas' October 7th attacks on the country, which resulted in the capture of more than 240 people. The conflict has resulted in a humanitarian crisis in Gaza and led to the deaths of more than 15,000 Palestinians, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health in Ramallah, which cites sources from the Hamas-controlled enclave. The former abductee continues, Do you think the men are strong? My husband would beat himself every day, punch 
his face until he bled because it was too much for him. And now he is alone. And God knows under what conditions. Wow. That's extreme. That is really extreme stress right there. And it goes on to say, as... And you want to topple the Hamas government to show that you have bigger balls. Is there no life here that is more important than others? She adds, none of us there deserve any less treatment than any resident of Israel. Return them all and not in a month, two months of a year. Okay, aside from this article here. We still do not. I've been praying to see what God is saying about the open window of opportunity we still do not have that open window yet. You know, I've been praying and hope, hopefully, you know, one of these weeks where I go on air to broadcast, I've been hoping I can give some sort of update according to what I'm seeing and, and hearing prophetically from God. But this week, we're still at that standstill. We still do not have an open window of opportunity. So, keep praying. That's all I can say there. We have to stay steadfast. <clears throat> then it goes on in the article, it says, referring to reports that the Israeli military is considering flooding Hamas tunnels in Gaza, she continues, and you were talking about washing the tunnels with seawater. You are shelling the route of tunnels in the exact area where they are. The girls asked me, where is their father? And I have to tell them that the bad guys don't want to yet to release him. The woman adds, you put politics above the return of the kidnapped. We felt abandoned. Netanyahu has been under intense pressure for weeks over the status of the Israelis still being held hostage by Hamas. A deal with Hamas has since seen dozens of captains, captives, mostly women and children, freed, but the government remains under pressure to secure the release of the remaining captives and has faced questions over the time taken to strike a deal. The IDF said Friday that there are 136 hostages still being held in Gaza, including 17 women and children. Wow. It goes on to say, according to the Ynet account of the meeting, one man related what family members had told him after being freed. They were under constant threat from the IDF shelling. You sat in front of us and assured us that it does not threaten their lives. They also roam the street and are not only in the tunnels, they are mounted on donkeys and carts. You will not be able to recognize them on the street and you are endangering their lives. It is our duty to return them now. And according to Wynet, a parent whose son was kidnapped told the meeting it was his son's birthday and asked, what do you have to say to him? He saved people there. You abandoned him. Referring to Defense Minister um, Yuav Gallant, a member of the War Cabinet, the parent adds, you are arguing, Gallant, at a press conference. Enough. Bring them home. Wow. I will say, and something like this you have to be really careful with because people will look at you and say, you were not the hostage. You don't know what is going on. And guess what? I am not the hostage. No, I don't know in detail. All I know is whenever I go into prayer and what God shows me and what I read on news stories, stuff like that, that's all I know. But it doesn't mean that I'm not standing here in prayer on your behalf that God can do something very soon. But while you're in this situation, it is going to feel like it's forever. It's going to feel like no one is helping. It's going to feel like you are abandoned and forgotten. Yes, two months is extremely, extremely long time. And I'm praying. And I know whenever people are in situations like this, prayer doesn't even seem like it's enough. The only thing that's enough is to be freed and returned home to your family. That is enough. But it hasn't happened yet. And for those of you who are waiting, lift your voices up to Heshim. Lift your voices up to Yeshua. 
just know and be ready for God's timing of the matter. I'm hoping there's one week I can get on here and say, okay, the window of opportunity is back open. Move! That's what I'm waiting to do. But then it goes on to say, testimonies from release captives, it says, have shed some light on the conditions in which captives were held. Many referred to limited supplies and food. Some said they were unaware of the fate of their loved ones during captivity. And a number of hostages required hospital care for days after their release. Oh, wow. One woman had, who had been a hostage said in the meeting that those remaining in captivity were living on borrowed time all day. They lie on a mattress. Most of them need glasses and hearing aids that were taken from them when they were kidnapped. Wow. They have difficulty seeing and hearing, which affects their functioning even more. While I was there, I helped them slowly get up off the mattresses and be a little active. I don't know what they managed to do since I have left, the woman said, according to the audio released. In addition to their physical condition, I feel that I left them in a very poor mental state. I and those who were released before me. I was young and active. I took care of them. I helped them to maintain optimism. They know they must survive. But they are on the verge of losing hope. Now, there, you know, aside from the article, there, there is a thing that... Um, where you actually have a survivor's guilt. You feel like it should have been you instead of them. So understand the times and the natural reactions that you'll have in a situation like this. It goes on to say in the article, in addition to scrutiny over the release of hostages, Netanyahu and his government have been criticized for failing to prevent Hamas' October 7th attack. The attack was widely seen as a major Israeli intelligence failure, <clears throat> with a number of top defense and security officials coming forward in October to take responsibility to some extent for the missteps that led to the attacks. The women heard in the recording added during the meeting, throughout the time we were there, we felt abandoned twice, once on Saturday, October 7th, when you did not protect us and a second time every day that passes that we are not released. We didn't believe we would be there for so long. She issued an appeal to the war cabinet. Every day that pass is a game of roulette in their lives. Why don't you release Palestinian prisoners? Release them all and bring, them and bring the hostages back. They live on borrowed time. Their lives are in your hands, and I ask you, in the light of my testimony, and what we hear from the other released people, and what we hear in the media, that there were all kinds of possibilities, if you can commit each and every one of you, that you don't give up on any opportunity to bring everyone home and not postpone it by a day or an hour. Comments at the uh, meeting by Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu were not released, but were reported by Ynet. And it says CNN cannot verify they are accurate. Netanyahu is reported to have told the hostages, I came together with my friends to hear you. There is still darkness to get rid of, and we need to bring them all back. I heard the anxiety, the humiliation, the suffering, the torture, the rape, this thing that shakes the whole world and it is important to continue to, to tell it is important that we listen you're right there's a huge enterprise that collects evidence trying to reach each and every one how to bring everyone in at, at that point there was heckling with some people saying shame aside from the article <coughs> I'm glad, but I'm not glad that they realized that there was rape. Because that's what I've seen in the visions. 
that's what I did not want to share. That's what I did not want to see. Because there's one thing about, you know, the prophetic, and whenever you have visions and stuff, you've got to be ready for whatever God is showing you. And a lot of it is heart-crushing. I bawled after seeing that. Bawled like a little kid. Cried. Ugh. Because you can see it, but you feel so powerless because you don't know what else you could possibly do from where you are. And it's frustrating because, yeah, you see it. Yeah, you see where they are. But I'm all the way on the other side of the world. What am I going to do besides publish it? Speak it out some way, somehow. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. The powerlessness. But, you know, I had to lift that up to God as well. It's like, there's nothing I can do. Why are you showing me? He said, this is the brutal realities of what is going on. And whenever it gets to moments like this, you almost don't even want the gift anymore. Because it's that kind of... It's disgusting. But, I gotta do what I can with what I have. It goes on to say, Netanyahu's uh, reported response referring to a dog tag with the name of a hostage that he had been given. Netanyahu said, the dog tag you gave me is by my bed. It's in my heart. But the father retorted, you don't put it on your neck because you're ashamed. To which Netanyahu responded, absolutely, absolutely not. Netanyahu continued, the first thing you asked is whether we have the possibility to bring them home at all at once. It is important to know. And my friends can reinforce that. That this thing didn't exist until we started the ground maneuvers there was nothing. Nothing. Not a zero. Just talk. Only when we started the ground maneuvers, only then was a pressure created that began to exert its signals on Hamas. And this created the possibility of releasing hostages. With God's help, we were able to increase the list and with the help of the U.S. President Joe Biden, who we asked him to help him with the matter. I like how they said, with God's help. Because whenever you get in a situation like this, and what I'm speaking is outside of the article again, it is bigger than you, it seems more powerful than you, but it's not too big for God. It's not too powerful for God. We just have to move in step with God until this is brought to completion. So there's going to be a lot of hurt. There's going to be a lot of painful words. There's going to be a lot of things spoken that wouldn't normally be spoken in any other circumstance. So our hearts have got to be strong and ready for this. People are hurt. They're crushed. They're tortured. They could... Only God knows how long it's going to take for them to recover from this. You know, the children who are really young, they'll have, they'll have faded memories of what happened. But the adults, especially middle age, they're going to need counseling. They're going to need help. They're going to need love. They're going to need... A lot of support. It says, when Netanyahu said Hamas was to blame for the end of the truce, an individual identified by Wynet as a family member of a release hostage replied, nonsense. Hmm. Netanyahu responded, no BS, I'll put it like that. What I'm saying here are clear facts. I respect you too much. I heard your heartbreak. We couldn't release everyone at once. 
The price they want is not prisoners. The price they want is not only prisoners. The Prime Minister went on, It is shocking to hear about what you went through in the face of our shelling and our activity of the IDF, and it still continues. I can tell you that it penetrates not only the heart, it affects, as you will surely hear from my friends, also the considerations of our actions, and if you wanted to bring this message, you brought it. Netanyahu's office declined to comment on the leaked recordings. Well, what can you say about this? This is to be expected whenever we still have unfinished business. And I'm still waiting to release the prophecy that God was talking about for the Palestinians. What I can release, though, <clears throat> is those of you who claim to be pro-Palestinian. Put your money where your mouth is. Get your funds together. Help the Palestinians rebuild. You're going to need to separate them into multiples of funds, is what God was directing me. First, make sure they have the money to survive and eat and clothe themselves while they're waiting for the rebuilding. This can be sent over now. And you will need to hunt down those who have evacuated. Get your pens and your paper out. Start doing a head count. Start doing a census. And make sure they're accounted for whoever you have alive. All these colleges, all these pro-Palestinian people pull together. Instead of focusing on hatred, focus on building back. Next, because we have the fun to help them survive until the rebuild. Well, then we need separate funds, and that's one fund additional to rebuild the homes and furnish them. Three, have some more funds to rebuild the streets, the towns, the cities, the schools, the hospitals. Get all that together now. This will give you something to do instead of hating on the Jews. That is what I hear the Lord saying for those who are pro-Palestinian. The goal here for this part of the prophecy, because I can release this part, just not the rest. <clears throat> the goal here is to give you guys something to do. If you are moving in some sort of productive way that is going to cut down the hate, that is going to cut down the talking, and move you into action, then you will have a sense of accomplishment and hopefully drop your hatred. Things are bad enough over there. They do not need the hateful words of the world who in turn have no idea or even the first detail of what they are going through as I speak. So, that is what God had instructed me pass along to you all. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> and then, as we go talk about the colleges really fast, after reading the UPenn's uh, president has resigned after congressional testimony backlash, days of intense pressure. And, and you know, this is a president over in Pennsylvania of a college. And basically, she was participating in anti-Semitic comments. Now, all we've heard is the college kids. But I have to ask, did the college kids come up with this all their own? Or was it the leadership within the schools 
stirring the fire, adding fuel to it through their own anti-Semitic contents and comments. I have to ask, is it all just the college kids or is it the college leadership? This is what we need to be sorting out because we don't need leadership fueling the fire of hatred. That is not what you're going to end up paying all your college fees later on in life, even up until your 30s, to just to learn about hatred. Life is so much more than that. I encourage the listener. Take a stand. Put something good to work, to use. Put aside your hatred. You know, if anything we have lost these last couple years, and that is just modern human decency and compassion for one another. We are in this together. Divided we fall, united we stand. So that's what I can release so far about the Palestinian prophecy that God's have me hold back until these hostages are brought in. It's still on the table, folks. I am still praying for the hostages' release. And I'm not going to stop. And I'm encouraging those who are listening. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. That concludes the Israeli update. Going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, welcome back. You know, over the years, you know, we already have a very extended list of divination practices. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're from God. Okay? Anything that deals with divination, I'll just tell you right off the bat, that should just, this should just end the show. You know, it's a wrap. It's not from God. Okay? He's very specific about how prophets prophesy. And it has been brought to my attention here recently that we have new pagan movements in the church in operation. And they wonder why the church is not effective anymore. Because they're too busy turning to uh, Satan and his devices. What happened to you? is what I hear the Lord saying. What happened to you? Where is your first love? Where has it gone? The Lord says, I have not turned away from you. You have turned away from him. That is what I hear the Lord saying right now. Folks, it's time that we up our knowledge on divination practices. And this isn't just so we can learn how to divine. This is so you can protect yourselves. And when you see clues and hints, and if you get, you know, in your spirit, something isn't right. We have so much pagan practice of divination in the church right now. It is... It's disgusting. But is that what God needs? No, he does not. He specifically says in his words, come out from them and be ye separate. Whenever God pulls you into the faith, whenever he calls you, whether you are called or chosen, he pulls you out of darkness and sets you in the light as children of the light. Not to go back and participate in the darkness he rescued you from in a Christ-like way. Do not deceive yourselves because that 
is what you do thinking that God will approve of your actions. Let's take a look. Because the one thing that I see infiltrating the church right now is frequencies. There is no particular frequency that God used to give messages of divination. Basically, whenever you are ministering or and participating in frequencies, you are inviting demonic spirits to assign themselves to you and be your point of contact and your message from Satan. I will be very specific here. Whenever you hear a message from God, understand his character, understand his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. Those who are God's know when the hand of God is moving, when the voice of God is speaking. His character, his ways, and that's the whole purpose and point of studying the Bible is to understand who God is, what he will do, what his promises and covenant is to you. So we may see and decipher and discern what is God and what is Satan. Now we have websites now who are, you know, they... They're talking about determining your personal vibrational frequency. See, when you determine your personal vibrational frequency, you're determining your personal demon. And here's the raw truth. I don't know anything about frequencies. So I had to look this up. I looked up on Spotify and it's a bunch of like weird music with just strange tones. And I'm trying to like listen to it to see, okay, what, what's all this? And basically, I didn't even get through it two minutes and I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, this is boring. I don't know how anybody could sit here long enough. And it could be that I'm ADD. It, it, it has no, you know, there's no re real understanding or answer with my mind just would not wrap around what this was doing. So I listened to a couple different frequency songs or whatever it's supposed to get you in, into that meditative state to where you can start receiving messages from beyond. Well, I don't even think I got the, any messages because I was too busy snoring. Wasn't exactly the research I was looking to do, but hey, I slept amazing. <laughs> but Here's the thing. These people are calling it messages from Jesus, messages from God. I mean, heaven forbid you go into prayer and you're waiting on your, your uh, vibrational frequency to come through so you can prophesy and somebody messed up, turned the microwave on while you're trying to do all this and maybe the demon was saying it would be for Biden, but really meant Obama, but if the microwave wasn't on, you probably would have had a better frequency. I don't know. You know, I don't even use microwaves. <laughs> so I'm like, what in the world are these people doing now? And here's the raw deal. When God calls you to prophesy, if he is originally and genuinely called you to prophesy, you just didn't look over here at Bobby Lynn and, you know, Billy Joe Bob and say, hey, you know, they're prophesying. I want to do that. No. You have to be given the gift by God. He has to choose you. You don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be a self-proclaimed prophet today. And that's what we're going to do. You don't just do that. God is the one who calls you and he puts you through wilderness, poor circumstances, everything else to see if you will still only have a heart and eyes for him. Not many prophets make it through that. They usually fall away because it's too intense. But whenever he calls you to actually prophesy, 
You don't have to use any of the devil's devices to get the job done. He teaches his own. He will raise up his own. Look at what he did for Jeremiah. You know, he raised up Jeremiah and taught him how to prophesy, tested him. What do you see to make sure everything was working, to make sure he was right where he needed to be to begin prophesying over kingdoms later on? God is still doing the same today. And whenever he taught me what it is that he had already put inside of me, He says, look, you go into prayer, you wait, you understand my voice, you know who is speaking to you. You know after time and time of what I have told you as a test, and it has come to pass. You have learned over a period of time how to trust my voice, saith the Lord. And you will go into prayer and you will wait for me to speak, for me to reveal to you in visions and in dreams what is to come. And that's what I do. I don't have any ritual that I do. There's no cauldrons, there's no tarot cards, there's no crystal balls, there's none of that. I just simply go into prayer. And the first thing I do is I show gratitude. I thank him for everything he's done for me, for everything he's doing in the lives of those people that I've been praying for. And then I move forward with whatever I have to put on the table for conversation with God. And I don't always get answers to everything. He's very much, he stays on topic. He doesn't veer off. He doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't take side roads. He is very much what is currently on his heart is what sort of dialogue we will have. So I can ask him about miscellaneous things. They will not get answered immediately because it's not a part of the current dialogue. Now, I'll get answers to him months later as if to say, I haven't forgotten you, and I was listening, and I was paying attention. It just wasn't relevant for what we were talking about. And I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. But with him, let him take the lead. You just be a submissive vessel and be still in his presence. That is how I prophesy that is how God taught me to do this. Now, mind you, back in my younger years, I was using all sorts of divination that I had to repent of, that I had to renounce of, that I had to break blood covenants. I had to go in and just clear out everything in my life and my heart and my mind and relearn everything according to God's ways. And the relearning part is not easy. Because you're having to start from a clean, clear slate. You can't even hitchhike on what you knew to be a sure thing, a sure action, or a sure word. You had to learn completely. And that's going to take time. That's going to take dedication. That's going to take, hey Lord, I am serious about learning about you. And I'm going to stay in this word. And I'm going to read this Bible front to cover front to back, front to back, front to back. That's what I had to do. So I could learn his character, how to spot him, how to know it was him speaking to me. Yeah. That's how you do it, folks. And a lot of people, I don't know why they're so repelled by doing things God's way. Because God's way carries the blessing. God's way is fruitful. You're not having to go back and redo things. It's done right the first time. So seek 
all you new prophets out there who are, you know, are, are out in the world doing God's work, do things God's way so that you are not prophesying from the flesh, prophesying presumptuously, or prophesying from demons. It's such a tricky walk as it is. And if you are not grounded firm in your faith with God, you will lose your path. And here's the scary part. You may not even realize when you've lost your path. So do things God's way as much as possible. But basically, whenever I did more research on the personal vibrational frequency type stuff, it's almost like channeling. So you're channeling spirits, you're channeling uh, messages from beyond, and you're trying to get all this information. And it's like from the realm of esoteric, esoteric hearts and mysticism. Um, it's the ability to understand one's personal vibrational frequency is a key factor in spiritual growth and enlightenment, unveiling the energetic essence, unraveling your personal frequency, explores fascinating concepts, shedding light on how our energetic essence interacts with the universe. See, you have a lot of people who, uh, they don't express to one another, oh, I'm feeling a certain way today. They'll say, I'm vibing a certain way today. They're speaking more about energy. Look, energy does not get us closer to God. It pushes us away, just so you know. It says, through the practices of tarot reading, astrology, spell casting, and divination, individuals can delve deeper into their own energetic makeup. These mystical tools provide insights and guidance into unlocking and aligning with one's true vibrational frequency. Now, the whole time I'm reading this, God is causing me to look through the words and hear a different message. So let's read that same sentence again. It says, These mystical tools provide insights and guidance into unlocking and aligning with one's true vibrational frequency. Okay, this is how God is showing me this information, even though I'm reading it literally. It says, These methods of divination provide insights and a doorway into the alignment and assignment of my own personal demon. That's what God shows me out of this. So this is not of God whatsoever, folks. But basically you're going into symbolic languages, stuff like that. And one of the things I've noticed with God is, say for example, I go into prayer and he shows me a vision or else he speaks a word of prophecy to me. And say for example, I don't write that down immediately. Something happens and I can't. Well, then I'll go on and I'll forget. You know, that's just being human. You get busy, you get sidetracked, you know, th things happen. But God has a little something that always helps me. So if I don't write down immediately the prophetic word as he gives it to me, then whenever I get time later, God brings it back through the Holy Spirit. And once I am in the Holy Spirit, all information that I have forgotten or I didn't write down or all prophecy, all messages that he has given me, all come back. They're literally stored in the Holy Spirit. And as long as you have the Holy Spirit residing inside of you, you will be able to bring to your memory whatever message God had stored within as if it was, was spoken to you seconds prior. That is how God works. So, it, it takes the stress and pressure off 
that, oh my God, I have to get somewhere right here, right now, because God's given me a prophetic word I have to write down. No, not necessarily. <laughs> this is the joy of serving the Lord. He has a plan for whatever you may need. This is why I can go on a show and do an entire show without notes, because I know what God put into my spirit before we get started. And through the Holy Spirit, I will be able to release with full memory what God has originally wanted me to say. A lot of people don't seem to know. But, you know, one of the things that you especially learn in the wilderness, and that's how to survive, how to live in through and off of God in his presence. Those are vital lessons. Because after you go through that kind of boot camp, that kind of wilderness, so to speak, and yes, I even call it boot camp because you're being stripped away from everything you thought you could use in this life and being built back new in the way that God is establishing you in him. So, all this stuff right here, it even goes into spell casting. It goes into, um, by using intention, visualization, and ritualistic actions, one can direct and manipulate energy to manifest desired outcomes. This ancient practice taps into the universal laws of attraction and influence, allowing individuals to shape the reality with focused intent. Folks, we have all types of means. If you just look up divination or types of divination, you are going to find online an exact A to Z entry. That's how much divination tactics are active or have been active in the world today. And this right here reminds me of the law of attraction. And they've totally just destroyed that Bible verse of, as a man thinketh, so is he. Ugh. Just destroyed it. Nothing God does is going to interlock with anything the devil has to provide of, as means to any information or divination from beyond. God doesn't need it. Just letting you know. Because a lot of people they believe that God is so difficult to understand and that all these multiples and multiples of details that God works with, it just makes him, you know, complex. No, that is the view of Satan. The original view of God is pure simplicity. Yeah. When I tell you that all I need is to go into prayer and just be until God says something? Yeah. Very simple. You don't have to overexert yourself. You don't have to go through all these ritualistic things that you go through before you're getting ready to talk to your demons. And I tell you what, whenever I sit back and I think about all the things I did in my youth, all the divination tactics and practices, and then I think about how easy it is to serve God. Whew. I was really jumping through hoops, standing upside down, doing all kinds of stuff, trying to get results. But now, the simplicity, the beauty of how God designs His way of things is so much easier. <laughs> and... There is no smoke and mirrors with this. There is no confusion with this. God is not the author of confusion. So, those of you who are dealing with frequencies and saying it's messages from God, you better look again. He's not going to bless it. And what's going to happen is the demons are going to tell you exactly what they think is going to happen and God's going to override it and you're going to look like a liar. So, for your own soul and salvation, for its sake, drop the paganism. 
repent of the ways and get back to the core operations of God's way and watch yourself be blessed in more ways than just possessions, than just whatever it is you're seeking the demons to achieve. God can do way better. And those who are professing Jesus, who are professing God, whenever a real man or woman goes to test the fruits, they're going to know you are not getting your information from God. Just to give you a heads up. But this isn't it. Let's uh, take a look in some scripture and see what else God has to say. But I will say that as I was looking for scripture about frequencies, there wasn't any. So, there is no biblical reference or biblical stand or foundation to uphold frequencies and the divination thereof. Just so you know. I'm going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we got about uh, a little over 10 minutes left of the show. Let's get into something really fast. Um, I'm looking up something online right now. It's uh, Got Questions. And it says, what does the Bible say about divination? So if you get a you know time later, you can definitely look into what this is. This is the word divination. It comes from a Latin uh, meaning to foresee or to be inspired by a God. Okay, it doesn't say inspired by God. It says a God. To practice divination is to uncover hidden knowledge by supernatural means. It is associated with the occult and involves fortune-telling or soothsaying, as it used to be called. From ancient times, um, people have used divination to gain knowledge of the future or as a way to make money. Hmm. The practice continues as those who claim supernatural insight read palms, tea leaves, tarot cards, star charts, and more. God tells us his view of divination in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10. There shall be none, like there shall not be found any, any among you. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens. It compares to rebellion. So basically, we're looking at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15, 23, and it compares rebellion to the sin of divination. Practicing divination is listed as one of the reasons for Israel's exile. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 14, spoke of the false prophets of the time, saying, They are prophesying to you a lying vision worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Wow! So compared to God's truth, divination is false, deceitful, and worthless. Man, I'm getting chills reading this. This is what the people are doing who are practicing this kind of stuff, especially in the church. God will pass over that church. You won't have the first touch of God while you were operating like this, come out from them and be separate. And then it goes on to say, as Luke traveled with Paul and Silas in the city of Philippi, he recorded an encounter with a diviner. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And this is Acts chapter 16, verse 16. The girl's ability to penetrate mysteries was due to a demon that controlled her. Her masters received much gain from their slave. Paul eventually exorcised the demon, verse 18, freeing the girl from her spiritual bondage and angering the slave owners, verse 19. This is divination in any form is sin. It is not harmless entertainment or an alternate source of wisdom. Christians should avoid 
any practice related to divination, including fortune-telling, astrology, witchcraft, tarot cards, necromancy, and spell-casting. The spirit world is real, but it is not innocent according to Scripture. Those spirits that are not the Holy Spirit or, or angels are evil spirits. Basically, aside from this article, demons. Christians need not fear the spirits involved in divination, neither are Christians who seek wisdom from them. The Christian's wisdom comes from God. James chapter 1 verse 5. Now here's what I have to come against on this last paragraph here. It says, Christians need not fear the spirits involved in divination. Well, actually, you need to just come out from them altogether. Don't have any interaction because any interaction is an open door to where demons can enter in because you open the door and they can set an assignment up over you after the open door and they can create a gatekeeper, gate holder, and bring in more powerful spirits to torture you. So it says here, Christians need not fear the spirits involved in divination. Well, I have another story with this. You may not need to fear it if you are strong in God, but if you are weak or if you are on spiritual milk or if you are a babe, then you need to steer clear from this completely because you aren't strong enough in the word, in the Lord, to not fall victim. So there is fear that is a healthy fear in this act. So not only should Christians, you know, not receive or seek wisdom from these types of spirits, but Christians need to steer clear altogether. And that's, you know, Christians, that's Judaism, that's anybody who believes in God. You need to keep yourself blemish-free and steer clear from all this. This is not what God intended. Because it's more than just show. You know, God set prophets in place because that's how he alerts his people of what his next steps and what his next actions are going to be. But yet, today, we suffer from a world full of confusion. Do we have to? Wow. I mean, if we look in Leviticus, we look in Numbers, um, we look in Deuteronomy. This is all Torah. First Samuel, Second Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah. These are all, like Ezekiel. These are all people who God has raised up to come against the divination, to come against the witchcraft that was taking place, to come against the demonic activity that was sidelining God's people. And a lot of people will say, well, what about Daniel? Daniel, he was with the wise men and they were magicians and stuff like that. He might have been with them, but he stayed true to God. Did things God's way. And this is why the king... And when you look at uh, Daniel... Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, The king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, but the king did something different here. He did not tell them to dream. He told them to go and seek whatever, wherever they get their information to tell him the dream and the interpretation. None of them could do it. Only Daniel. This is where, if you are a true prophet, if you are operating in God's original design to do so, you, your gift, your ability, your voice, who you are, will stand aside above and be separate from the evil. And you will get more meaningful information than what the others would get. This is how Daniel stood apart. So a lot of people say, well, well, Daniel hung out magicians. I should be able to do. No, no, no. Not necessarily. You set yourself up for failure by being around people like this. 
because they're planting seeds inside of you that will eventually grow to something. And what you really need is seeds of greatness that are being planted from people, men, women of God, the Holy Spirit, so you may grow and be fruitful 